Welcome to the Dr. Judd Podcast. This is Dr. Judd. Emotions are running high these days, and that can lead to all sorts of negative habits, especially around food. Are you eating more than usual, or maybe so worried that you're forgetting to eat? Stress affects our appetite in major ways, but there's a simple approach to identify and change these behaviors so that you can stay healthy and less anxious while dealing with the current crisis. I'm Dr. Judd Brewer, addiction psychiatrist and neuroscientist specializing in anxiety and habit change. Let's dive right in. I don't know about you, but I've been seeing people deal with anxiety and uncertainty in two major ways, not eating and eating too much. Not eating often falls into two categories itself, not eating because we've lost our appetite due to stress and worry, or simply forgetting to eat because we're too busy juggling working from home, kids, new routines, and more. Losing our appetite is actually an adaptive survival mechanism. Our ancient ancestors who were out on the savannah in the midst of danger had to be ready to fight or run at a moment's notice. This fight-flight response signals to our bodies that this is no time to sit down and have a good meal. Instead, our body shunts blood from our digestive tract and into our muscles. With that redistribution of blood, we can do what we need to do to survive so that we're alive in the future to have another meal. Forgetting to eat can come from a stress response as well. We're so focused on what we're doing or stressed about what we have to get done that we forget to eat or don't give ourselves a break to get some food. When we're stressed, our thinking brain isn't working well, and we don't see that taking five minutes to eat something is actually going to help us function now and keep our energy levels stable throughout the day. I'm guessing most of us can relate to this. Now, let's talk about eating too much. Because food can trigger dopamine release in your brain, it's pretty easy to get in the habit of eating as a coping mechanism for high levels of stress or anxiety. Feel bad, eat something, feel better. Trigger, behavior, reward. These are the three steps that create a habit through our brain's built-in reward-based learning system. I'll give you the example of a clinic patient of mine who was referred to me for help with his generalized anxiety disorder. On his first visit, we mapped out some of his anxiety habit loops. One example is when he'd drive on the highway. He would have fearful thoughts of getting in a car accident. Those thoughts would trigger the behavior of not driving on the highway. His reward was avoiding those unpleasant thoughts but at the cost of no longer being able to drive on the highway, severely restricting his ability to go places. Now that he understood the trigger behavior reward structure of habits, I sent him home to map out more of his anxiety habit loops. At our next appointment two weeks later, he excitedly told me that he had lost 14 pounds. I was confused at first. While he was very overweight, we had planned to focus on his anxiety and after that address his overeating. He explained that he'd mapped out his anxiety habit loops and realized that anxiety would trigger stress eating. He could now see clearly that stress eating only temporarily distracted him from the anxiety and in fact added to his worries because his obesity was causing health problems for him like high blood pressure. So he stopped stress eating because he knew it wasn't helping his anxiety at all and in fact it was making it worse. This is a great example of what my lab has been studying, using awareness to help people map out their habit loops around smoking, anxiety, and even overeating, and using that same awareness to help them hack their brain's reward system. When we see really clearly that a behavior isn't rewarding, we become disenchanted with doing it in the future. We can't think our way into changing a habit because that relies on the thinking part of our brain, which ironically goes offline when we're hungry or stressed. 
but we can rely on our old survival brain because it functions on a much simpler level. Does this behavior feel good or not? In fact, my lab is studying how well awareness itself can change the reward value of stress eating and how it can change the reward value of overeating. We've embedded a craving tool in our Eat Right Now app to have people do two things. First, whenever they have a craving, we have them bring to mind the food and imagine eating it. This brings forward the reward value that's stored in their brain, how rewarding that behavior is right now. Then we have them do a mindful eating exercise so they can pay careful attention to what the food tastes like, what their body feels like as they eat it, and how they feel afterwards. It's a really different experience to eat when we're hungry versus when we're stressed. And paying attention while we eat helps us see just how rewarding or unrewarding that behavior is right in that moment. Guess what my lab's finding? Surprise! When you pay attention when you stress eat or overeat, the reward isn't that great. And our preliminary results suggest that within 10 to 12 uses of this craving tool, the reward value drops close to zero. You're using awareness to reprogram your brain so that it no longer finds overeating appealing. Yes, it's hard to stuff your face or stress eat when you're paying attention because it doesn't feel good. And you see this really clearly when you pay attention. I'll post a link below to a short animation that we put together that explains the brain science behind this if you want to learn more. So if you're noticing that you're drawn to the refrigerator because of emotions like sadness, frustration, boredom, or stress, see if you can play with two simple steps today. First, map out your eating habit loops. What's the trigger? What's the behavior? Is that behavior stress eating or overeating? What's the reward? Second, go ahead and eat, but pay attention as you do. Zoom in on that reward piece. Keep paying attention. How pleasurable is eating that food? If it feels good, does the pleasure start to drop as you eat more? Can you tap into your brain's reward system to stop when you're full? One person in our Eat Right Now program wrote the following. I decided to get a snack because I was tired. Even thinking about the reason for that craving is so much more than what normally happens automatically. But much better, I enjoyed four M&Ms. Yes, four. And I was fine. I never, 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 ever was able to leave an open bag of M&Ms in my drawer my complete life before. And how has my clinic patient done? I've been treating him for about six months now. He's lost close to 100 pounds and his blood pressure has gone back to normal. And no kidding, not only can he drive on the highway, he's now an Uber driver. Let's end with a page from the book my wife and I have been reading together at night called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. But today, I'm going to warn you, the mole is demonstrating how stress eating habits get set up, so don't follow his example. Do you have a favorite saying, asked the boy? Yes, said the mole. What is it? If at first you don't succeed, have some cake. I see. Does it work? Asked the boy. Every time. So today, see if you can identify and nip in the bud any unhealthy eating habits that you might be developing or reinforcing. Not that it's easy, but it is simple. It needs one simple ingredient, awareness. Onward, together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to receive future episodes, and please share this with friends or loved ones who might find the content helpful. To learn more about mindfulness and habit change, visit drjud.com. See you next time.